When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, which turns 25 years old next month, believe it or not. That book came out in 1997. All those years ago, uh, and even two years before that, I sat with my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, and took a last class in what's really important in life once you know you're going to die, as he did, from Lou Gehrig's disease. And I was an ambitious uh, go-go-getter who was forced to slow down every Tuesday and listen to my old professor talk about what was really important in life. And now that I'm much closer to his age than that age, I realize how many things he told me were so dead-on correct. And we share those with you in this weekly podcast. And we're so happy to have you joining us again for another edition. Lisa Goich, my friend and producer, is alongside as always. Lisa, hi. Yeah. Hi. You know, what's amazing is that I think I started working with you just before that. Like, uh, I can't believe it's been that long. Like, that's a long time. Wow. Just before I started visiting with with more. Yeah, because I moved to California 25 years ago and you had just started doing those interviews. But but I was working on your radio show prior to that, prior to me coming out here. Ah, okay. So so it's it's a bit of an anniversary for us, too, right. I guess. Well, We're glad that uh, everybody's in on this. And along the way, when I was talking to Maury, of course, when you're talking to somebody who knows he's going to die, and it's ironic because today I went to a funeral of a friend of mine, and I am uh, writing a column about her for the newspaper that I work for, the Detroit Free Press, which will appear on Sunday. And for all intents and purposes... Uh, that column will serve sort of as an obituary for her. There was a small obituary about her, but it wasn't, to me, it wasn't satisfying. It it didn't say Mm. enough about who she was. She was a wonderful woman named Chris Kucharski who had battled cerebral palsy from birth. And somehow, despite the fact that she could, you know, never really walk on her own. And when when I first met her, she was using, you know, canes and, and and uh, braces and things to get around and it got progressively worse and over time she was in a wheelchair and then as of course life will have it and those things that just leave you head scratching about wait wait a minute hasn't one person had to deal with enough she then developed uh, two forms of cancer breast cancer then bone cancer by the end she wasn't uh, from what i understand wasn't able to to hardly move at all and yet her her attitude was always so upbeat her her spirit was so positive. She was the librarian at the Detroit Free Press. And while that may not sound like a lot, back before there was Google, yeah. the people who worked in the libraries at newspapers were critical because how do you think you did all that research? And so if right. I was trying to check up on a particular subject, whatever, I would I would go up to 
the library floor and and say, hey, Chris, I need some help on this subject or whatever. And she would go in through the archives and pull old stories. She had access to the system called Nexus Lexus, which- Oh my gosh, then, I remember that. Yes. Nexus <laughs> Lexus, yeah. You couldn't, you had to pay a ton of money to, yeah. to be able to have access. And only places like newspapers and things like that had access to Nexus Lexus. And she was on Nexus Lexus and she would literally, she was Google. She was Google before there was Google. Wow. She always did it with a smile and she always did it fast. And she, she would always tell me after the piece came out, you know, you did a great job with the research that I got. And I would always say, well, it was because of your help and thanks for doing it. No, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. And we shared the same birthday. uh, And so every year I would always know, oh, it's today's my birthday. I got to call Chris and we would race each other as to who could call the other one before the other one did uh, to say happy birthday. And later it became cards. And, and sadly, you know, as, as, as her health deteriorated and we kind of, she left the newspaper and we lost touch in terms of, uh, you know, any kind of regular thing except on our birthdays. So I was so saddened to hear about her, her death. And I wanted to write something about all these wonderful memories that I had with her. And it got me to thinking about the subject of obituaries, something that Maury gave some thought to as well. Uh, You can hear as we talked about what he wanted on his tombstone, which is a form of an obituary, if you think about it, you know, the last words. Very solid obituary. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Listen, yes, solid and and not changing. Here's what Maury said about it. Listen. I think the fact is my sincerity and my uh, sense of talking about something that's very important but not much talked about and my openness mm. and my willingness to open my heart up and myself up I think it did a lot of sort of uh, uh, penetration of people so I figured wow I'm going out as you know as you said teaching a, a large large audience so the line in the globe that I think I told you, when he asked me what do I want in my obituary, teach it to the end. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And Is that still what you want? You haven't changed, modified that with all the things that have happened? No. I would say a few other things, though. You don't want it on the line. I love yeah, her to the end. I love her to the end. I love her to the end. Compassionate person to the end, uh-huh. an open-hearted person to the end, uh-huh. an aware person to the end. So Maury wanted all those things. Of course, they don't all fit on a tombstone, but uh, no. they, they could fit in an obituary. He wanted all those things, and for the most part, obviously, the, you now know Maury through Tuesdays with Maury and many other forms, perhaps the Nightline programs and things like that. He got his wish. I think most people said those things about him, a lover to the end, a compassionate person to the end, an open-hearted person to the end, an aware person to the end, and most definitely a teacher to the end. To the end and then some. And then beyond, yeah. That like part today. He didn't know. Yeah, yeah. That part he didn't know. But none of us did back then. But obituaries are not always the way that we want them. They're not always that kind. Case in point, Lisa found this uh, story, and uh, (laughs) this is the opposite of 
Maury getting to write his own obituary and getting to see people uh, talk about him the way that he wanted to be talked about. This is the opposite. This is a case of someone who, shall we say, uh, left behind some angry people. Is that a uh, is that a good I way to put it? I would say that. Yeah, left behind a lot of some hurt. angry people. Yeah. A lot of hurt in his wake. Yeah, and uh, this obituary appeared in Jacksonville in the Florida Times Union. I'm going to leave the name out because I don't want to embarrass somebody. But let's just say, okay, the deceased, born in Belmont, New York, passed away, they, living a long life, much longer than he deserved. Ouch. He is survived by his three children. No, four. Oops, five children. Well, as of 2022, we believe there is one more that we know about, but there could be more. His love was abundant when it came to himself, but for his children, it was limited. From a young age, he was a ladies' man and an abusive alcoholic, solidifying his commitment to both with the path of destruction he left behind, damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. His hobbies included abusing his first wife and children. He loved to start projects but never followed through on any of them. He enjoyed the life of a barfly for many years and had a quaint little living space studio above his favorite hole in the wall. He did spend over 20 years in the New York Police Department, but even his time in service was negligent at best. Because of his alcohol addiction, his commanding officer took away his gun and badge, replacing them with a broom until he could get his act together. He did claim to be clean and sober for over 30 years, but never worked any of the 12 steps, including the eighth and ninth steps with his children, making amends. He possesses no redeeming qualities for his children, including the ones he knew and the, quote, ones he knew about. It will be challenging to miss him because he was narcissistic. He was incapable of love. His passing proves that evil does eventually die, and it marks a time of healing which will allow his children to get the closure they deserve. He can be remembered for being a father to many and a dad to none. Wow. I have to say, though, it's very well written. Well written. And there's a, there's, and- <laughs> there's a link where you can send flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a standard fare. Yeah. So there's, I- even though it, there's a link right there, <laughs> send flowers. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot of people are going to want to send flowers after reading that. Yeah. Although to the kids, you know, maybe for the kids now. This, maybe it's for I the mean, kids. I mean, definite closure. But, but the, the one who wrote this, the child who wrote this, I, I, I bet it felt good. I mean, that sounds weird yeah. to say, but it probably was very healing for him to write this. Well, I find it a sad state of affairs. Uh, one for the obvious reasons that this person clearly did a lot of damage to the children, at least the child who wrote this obituary, perhaps this child wrote it on behalf of all the other children. Maybe they all contributed in putting this together, but what good is served by trashing someone after they're dead? They're not there to see it. They're not there to feel the shame. Nothing will happen to them. No one will shun them. No one will say, well, I didn't know that about you. How, could, how dare you? How could you do that? But on the off chance that the guy had any redeeming qualities, they certainly didn't mention them. 
And so this speaks to the whole issue of speaking ill of the dead. How do you feel about that, Lisa? Do you feel that once somebody's gone, there's no point in trashing them and we should not speak ill of the dead? Well, let's take this case in point, okay? Uh, I don't think, no, I don't think, I'm, I'm not against speaking ill of the dead if this person was actually a terrible person. Take Hitler, right? Um, we, we still say things about Hitler uh, because he was such a bad person, right? Um, so I don't think just because you're dead, that, that makes you exempt from criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know you can't defend yourself when you're dead, but some people are just so pure evil that, you know, when they die, you're like, okay, right. You know, all right. I mean, and this, this family was obviously hurt by this man. I see what you're saying, maybe not making it public, but it pro- I'm just looking at it as it probably felt really good for them to get this out there and hit send, you know, what uh-huh. I mean, like, like it, I mean, they could have just said, Hey, you know, Joe Schmo died and, uh, that's it. it you, that could have been the obituary. He died. Joe Schmo died. Okay. No service. No, nothing. Uh, don't send flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Or just a notice without any words. But I, I think that, it's worth, you wonder if this gentleman had any idea that this would be the way that people would want him remembered. Was he self-delusional as well? Are we all? We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. What would we hear in our obituaries if we were here to read them or hear them read aloud? Honest do you obituaries. Think, yeah, an honest yeah. obituary. But do you think that the way that you think of yourself is the way that others think about you? And that's the value of sort of um, if we got a chance to, if we got a chance to attend our own funerals or witness our own obituaries, would we be, you know, would we be uh, pleased with what we heard? Like a living eulogy, right? We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maury talked about that, right? Didn't he, I think, have Uh, have a living funeral or did he? Yes, that's right. Maury had a living funeral. He had a living funeral. Yeah. Maury had a living funeral. I, yeah, I uh, I think about that all the time. First of all, it sure does show that you should try to be a good person while you're here, which is what we talk about on this show a lot. You know, um, I think what you do here, you know, if if you don't know what's going to happen after you die, I think it's just best to just try to be good and do good. I think if you do that, you you are you've done your job here, Mitch. You will have a glowing obituary. <laughs> I will write it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm trying it to stay be, away from that for now. It won't but, be for a while, but I will, uh, if I still have my wits about me by then, I will, when I'm 98, I will write it for you. <laughs> but here's, it's a good exercise to kind of put yourself through what would happen. All right. Walk yourself through after you're gone. 
Obituaries are generally gathered by uh, a writer, sometimes uh, by people who work for funeral homes. They speak to the closest loved ones, usually. So, all right, ask yourself this question. Who would you want to speak for you when you die? Who would you want to tell the writer of the obituary what you were like? Who would you trust? What do you think they would say? Honestly, what do you think they would say? This morning when we were at the funeral, and of course, eulogies and obituaries are are similar. Uh, there wasn't a formal eulogy at this particular thing. It was a Catholic funeral, so you know, those are generally just masses. But some of the stories that were relayed to the priest, he spoke about how this woman was uh, tiny yet powerful. You know, she was small in stature, but powerful. And uh, how she, you know, got very feisty if, if somebody stood between her and the truth. And, you know, small little anecdotes that spoke to her personality. Who would you want to share those? And what would they say about you? What would they say about you? And this is a great exercise. If you find that you say, well, to be honest, I'm a little worried if my spouse is the person. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't really think of me the way I kind of think of me. Or if they talk to my brother or my mother, or if they talk to my kids, you know, they don't really have the greatest impression of me. And uh, I always say that, you know, my most important thing is this, but they always say this, 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 and they're liable to say, well, then there's a disconnect between how you're perceiving yourself and and how other people are perceiving you. And this is important to take care of while you are here. So it's a great exercise to say, um, Will my obituary, will my eulogy be the person that I think I was? Will it be overly complimentary? Will, will somebody be saying things or writing things about me that really aren't true? You should be concerned about that too. Well, yeah, you don't want it to be like so fluffy. You know what I mean? I would hope that if somebody wrote mine, my sister, my best friend, I mean, who knows how old I'll be, right? So who knows who will be around at that point? My nieces, my brother, whoever, you know, they all know different sides of me. My best friend probably knows me the best, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm a different person to my great nieces and my great nephews than I am to my best friend. Everybody has something different to share. If I were writing my obituary, I would hope, I mean, somebody's, could put in, she was a bit of a pill, but, um, (laughs) you know, her heart was in the right place. Most times, uh, that would be my, (laughs) she was a bit of a pill, but her heart was in the right place. Most times. Yes. Yeah. You know, she worried a lot. Um, uh, that, that would be on my, um, she worried a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be on my tombstone. (laughs) Um, she was a worry wart and she, you know, I think I'm, I, I do good. I help people, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, you know, sometimes I can get a little bit, uh, feisty. She was a bit of a pill. Okay. 
Interesting one there. What yeah, would you no. What would you do, Mitch? What would you uh, Who would you want to write yours, or who would you want to contribute to yours? And what are some of the things that you think should be included? Well, I mean, don't I'd feel want, like you're bragging or anything. Yeah, I'd I'd want um, if I I'd want a few people from my family and a few people way outside my family, like from the orphanage in Haiti or some of the charities that I work with sort of like the close up view and the far away view. Right. Uh, because I think the, it's just like eyesight. When you're really close. You can, you can have that kind of eyesight that you can read anything, but Mm -hmm. you can't see very far away. And then there's a kind of eyesight that you could see everything is far away, but when stuff's right under your nose, you can't see it. Right. And I think that, that's how people view people and somewhere in between is probably the reality. So yeah. I, 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 I'd like people to talk to people on both sides of that and get an honest accounting of things uh, as to who, to, who wrote it. I, that doesn't matter, but uh, you know, it's more like who's doing the talking and who's feeding the information. Yeah. But what's most important isn't trying to, and this is the thing. I know a lot of people who try to, orchestrate their funerals and orchestrate their farewells when they die with great puppeteering. You know, I want exactly this. I want exactly that. You're going to play this. You're going to play that. This one's going to speak. Do not let this one speak. Do not have to, you know, they do not have them talk to the newspaper. I don't want them there. This one can be there. Don't seat this one with this one. I don't want them talking about me. All kinds of things like that. Uh, And, you know, you're better served trying to live a life that people will naturally want to say the good things about you than trying to manipulate who gets to talk and who doesn't at your funeral. Right. And there's That's still just, time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course there's still time. I mean, time. I think like, here's the deal. Like, let's say you lived a eh life, right? Maybe you were not mm-hmm. so nice to people. I think that there's time to make up for that. You know what I mean? Just because you might have not been so great early on, there's time to make amends with people. I mean, I'm going to use my dad as an example. Um, And I'm not saying anything ill about my dad, but sometimes growing up, he was difficult, you know, like it was, he was hard on us and it was not so pleasant. But as my dad got older, he got very introspective and apologized for things and became softer. And that's the dad I now remember, you know? So when I did my dad's eulogy at his funeral, I, that's the dad I was talking about. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because I'm like, that other stuff doesn't matter because the person he was in the end was this guy, you know? So there's just time to be a better person is all I'm saying. There always is. Now, there are some examples of our personality elements that will come through that people will talk about in your obituaries or in your eulogies. I'm looking at some unusual ones here that have been collected in a newspaper piece. Uh, A woman who died in 2005, uh, they wrote of her, her extensive vocabulary was more than highly proficient at knowing more curse words than most people learned in a lifetime. I want that in mind. (laughs) She liked four-letter words as much as she loved her rock garden. And trust Uh, us, she loved to weed that garden. 
<laughs> with her, with us as her helpers when child labor was legal, or so we're told. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, another guy, uh, they wrote about him. He had a lifelong menage a trois with his homemade chili and Gas X. Oh. <laughs> gas X is uh, what you take to, yeah, uh, you know. The anti-gasser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was known for his timeless words of wisdom. Life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> uh, he, uh, let's see. To, uh, they wrote to Disneyland. You can now throw away that banned for life file you have on me. I'm not a problem anymore. That is funny. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I've seen people who've written their own obituaries too. Oh yeah, there's been a couple uh, that made the news in the past few years that were really good ones. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd want somebody else to write mine. I don't want to write my own. His here's one that says his regrets were few, but include eating a rotisserie hot dog from a convenience store in the summer of 2002. <laughs> that must have been a really bad hot dog. That must have been bad. Yeah. So the point is that we all want to be obituaried or eulogized in the fashion that is glowing and we want, like Maury said, a lover to the end, a compassionate person to the end, a caring person to the end, a teacher to the end. Of course, who wouldn't want that? But we don't get to manipulate our obituaries. And if we're not kind, and if we're not really the things that we want people to say we are, you may end up with one of those obituaries written in anger. You may end up with one of those eulogies where you hear every now and then that a, a guy got up to speak at a funeral about his brother or about his father and, and just said, I have nothing good to say. He was a bleep bleep and get and, and sits down, yeah. and, which embarrasses everybody who's there and, and uh, you know, and, and is a terrible send off. So it's very simple. If you want to be recalled a certain way, act that way. Yeah. Act that way. Act that way every day because people are going to remember your bad days far quicker than they're going to remember your good ones. That's right. You and, don't want to be canceled. Uh, you don't want to be canceled upon yeah, your death. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't want. You don't want. You don't want to be canceled before either. Right. Where they end up saying, uh, "We're not doing an obituary for this person because <laughs> he was already already canceled," and so. <laughs> It's just a big blank slate. You don't want that. Yeah. I like Maury's a teacher to the end. And I, I thought that uh, that was appropriate. And that's that's who he was. And he had a pretty good grasp of who he was and how he came across to people because nobody would roll their eyes at any of the things that he suggested. But here's a uh, a good exercise. Call in your loved ones. If you're older, you know, call in your loved ones, your kids, your spouse, your friends, and say, listen, here's what I would think would be in my obituary when someone spoke about me. What do you guys think? And watch their eyes. And if if they blink really hard or they roll them or or you see them, you see their jaw being clenched really tightly, <laughs> then maybe, maybe your perception of yourself is not 
as accurate or as keen as it should be. That, and uh, you might want to yep. think about that. Well, I have yours, Mitch. I, I would. Well, we can end this with here's mine for you, Mitch Album. A really, really good egg. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. That fits on a tombstone too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, enough room to even draw a little picture of an egg. <laughs> All right. Well, we thank you for joining us today on this edition of Tuesday People the podcast. We do this every week, and you can check up at wetuesdaypeople.com to find out more about our podcast, about our discussions on different topics, old shows, previous recordings, guests that we've had on, etc. We always enjoy your company. On behalf of Lisa Goich, who produces this program, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.